You're listening to Inside the Aluminum Tube. This podcast has adult language and sometimes contains graphic descriptions of accidents and incidents, often resulting in death. If you're scared to fly, proceed with caution. Sir, are your pants meowing? Yeah, you interested? Pull up. No, the plane is about to crash. Wind shear. You're looking a little anxious, Kent. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Increase climb. Only if you really need me to. Threw his clothes off, had an accident, got his tree, and went night-night. 50, 40. Oh, so like some dumb bro shit. Okay, cool. Cool, 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 cool. 30, 20. I'm sorry, I'm a little overwhelmed by what you just said. 10. Hence being poked in the rear uh, as a man in the middle of the aisle. Climb now. Given the context that you've given me, this does not sound like a good plan. Clear of conflict. Okay, this is an aviation history podcast, which looks at events in aviation history like air disasters, accidents, incidents, mishaps, and sometimes even murder and conspiracies. I'm Shannon Baker. I'm your host. I'm the creator of the podcast. If you want to know what qualifies me to do this podcast, you'll have to go listen to episode zero and you can learn all about me there. If you want to see pictures of the events and enhance your experience, you should follow me on Instagram and Twitter, both at AluminumTube. And you can also email me at AluminumTubePodcast at gmail.com. If you want to see pictures uh, that I post of the episodes, you can find them on Instagram, both in the carefully labeled story highlights and in the gallery. If you've listened to other episodes, you already know that I have a co-host who is not an aviation expert, and their role is to ask questions that will help you better understand what actually happened, and in some cases, bring a level of expertise to the show that I lack. So my co-host today is James MacArthur. He runs a podcast about conspiracy theories, and I'm happy to have him here today. So James, tell us uh, all about yourself, and tell us about your show, and now's your moment, man. Go. Cool. So yeah, I am the co-host of a conspiracy-ridden podcast. We call it Couple Pints Pod. It is nowhere near as professional as this podcast, but the whole goal is my co-host is a major conspiracy theorist, and we drink beers, and he tries to explain to me why it's real, and then I explain to him why it's not. Does he plug. spend a lot of time? He, so he spends a lot of time trying to convince you, and are you oh, are you yeah. ever convinced? He's gotten me a couple times. Like, I listened to your episode 20, and I'm into UFOs. I think that's definitely realistic, (laughs) and we break that down in multiple episodes. But then there's, like, episodes where he's talking about lizard people and things that just... We actually... That was last week's episode. We talked about a little bit about lizard people and a cult that believed in that, and I think he belongs in that cult. But Okay, Okay, say the name of the podcast again so everybody can look it up. Couple Pines Pod. And that's it on every platform, Spotify, Apple, YouTube, fantastic, uh, all that stuff, Instagram, yeah. So interestingly that you brought up UFOs, right? So in the last episode, episode 20, I recorded with Mary and she said, or we talked about how the report was going to come out in the summer. Yeah. And that report was released. We talked about that on our podcast, yeah. Right. Colin so- was all excited about that. I didn't believe him. Then the report came out and I was like, oh. Now we have to do a part two, so we did. Right, so you know about it. Yeah. But I was really disappointed by it, basically. I was like, yeah, okay, it, was... it came out, and it basically just said, yeah, there's stuff flying around, and we don't know what it is. Like yeah. It didn't really reveal anything. And then they changed UFO to a more PC term, uh, unidentified aerial phenomena. Right, right. Phenomenon. And I, w- and I just went, okay. Now right. we just make fun of that. When, but you, it's a thing. when you were touching on that, I got really excited because we talk about that stuff all the time. But today we're talking about a story, a known story. Yes. But we're also going to talk about a lot of conspiracy theories surrounding it. So Some known, some not. Because also I reached out to Colin for this. I call myself the resident debunker on our podcast. Fantastic. So when you reached out to me, like, bring the conspiracies, I was like, Colin, please help me. So he sent me some links. I did some research. And... We will dive into it. It sounds fantastic. So here's my thought. So I'm going to cover the beginning of this. Yeah. I'm going to turn it over to you at the end. There's going to be a nice segue in there. And then we're going to talk about the. Sweet. We're going to talk about your part of it. Very right? great storyteller, by the way. Oh, I appreciate it. Very that. intriguing. So are you ready to get started? I'm very ready. So let's start with the date. November 5th, 1960. John Fitzgerald Kennedy Jr. was born in Washington, D.C. just two weeks after his father, JFK, was elected president. His father took office... And there's a whole conspiracy. In, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but anyway, <laughs> his father took office exactly eight weeks after JFK Jr. was born. John Jr. had an older sister, Caroline. He also had a younger brother who died after three days. I didn't know that. So that's, uh, yeah, that is something that happened. John Jr. lived in the White House during the first three years of his life. 
and he remained in the public spotlight for his entire life. As you know, his father was assassinated on November 22nd, 1963, and his mother prompted John Jr. to salute the flag-draped casket, right? We're all familiar with this, as it was carried out of the church at his father's funeral. This became a famous piece of footage, and the NBC vice president called the video of the salute, quote, the most impressive shot in the history of television. On November 25th, the Kennedy family still held John's third birthday party. So that was three days after his dad died. Yeah. Because they wanted to show that they were resilient. Makes sense. So they still had his birthday party, his third birthday party. I it, Probably pretty somber. I don't know. As a three-year-old, I don't know if you'd realize how somber that is yet. I, I agree with you, though. I was, but also that picture made him super famous. It did make him super. I think that's what made him. Yeah. Generally. But Jacqueline, his mom... Uh, she moved her family to a luxury apartment in Manhattan on the Upper East Side, and that's where John Kennedy Jr. grew up. He went to private school in Manhattan for most of his young life. His uncle Ted survived a plane crash in 1964, and his uncle Robert was assassinated in 1968. We know about Robert Kennedy being assassinated, yeah. too. This furthered the theory, the myth, the legend, or the reality of the Kennedy curse, which, again, we're going to talk about later. Yeah, we'll cover that. Okay, so late in 1968, Jacqueline Kennedy married Aristotle Onassis, and the family went to live on his private island of Scorpios. I did not know Jackie got remarried. Yeah, so then she was Jackie Kennedy Onassis. Okay. John Jr. was not a fan of his new stepdad. As he was like growing up, it was well known that John kind of considered his stepdad a joke, he told people. I mean, yeah, that definitely checks out, like... JFK's your dad. Like, yeah, JFK. JF, Even though you don't your... really know him, but like JFK's your dad. So Aristotle Onassis, he was a like a shipping tycoon. Okay. He was like a super rich guy. He bought his own private island and named it Scorpios. Yeah. And he was a Greek guy. Definitely checks out. Although, I'll say, so he considered his dad a step joke. A, <laughs> he considered <laughs> his step joke a dad. Now he, But Aristotle Onassis died in the mid-70s, and he left... Jackie Onassis, $20 million. Wow. And that was not a joke. And if, so, if John... If they needed that, though. Huh? If they needed that. I don't I think mean, they needed it. The I'm whole not time, sure what, I'm just like, it's the Kennedys. Right. I'm not sure what their wealth <laughs> yeah. was prior to that. He... The story is actually a little bit more interesting than that. Aristotle left John Jr. $25,000 in his will. That's it. $25,000. Jackie Kennedy... Onassis, she negotiated for $20 million. It wasn't wow. originally left to her. So she okay. negotiated with the, I guess, the arbiter of the will to give yeah. her $20 million. Bucks. You hire a lawyer to write your will or yeah. something? I guess it's a lawyer. I don't know. But anyway, that's kind of good negotiating skills. After high school, John Jr. went to Brown University. He started in 1979. He co-founded a student discussion group that focused on contemporary issues such as apartheid in South Africa, gun control, civil rights, so he was like his father and his uncle. He was a New England liberal. And most definitely not into shipping. No, definitely not. <laughs> he didn't take after his stepdad. Oh, yeah. Also, a Couple Pine Spot is mostly a comedy podcast. So sorry for all the bad jokes throughout this. No, I actually appreciate the bad jokes. Okay, so bring cool. it. Perfect. Beautiful. He graduated Brown, um, Brown University in 1983 with a degree in American Studies, whatever that is. Yeah. Uh, once again, like once again. He's a Kennedy. Right. I you feel like, you know, why are you, uh, obviously you're going to college for the credentials, but like, do you really have to go to college? Right. And you're going to, you're Brown. JFK. And you're going to kid. Brown too. I mean, yeah. you're going to like a, you're going to, you're going to like one of the top Ivy league schools and. But good, good for him. So right. he's an educated man. Yep. Now he's educated. Through the 1980s, he, he dated a bunch of famous women. Of course. Um, he dated Brooke Shields, Sarah Jessica Parker, uh, Cindy Crawford, and Daryl Hannah. He dated some other women, too, that we I don't recognize their names. That's the other thing. Throughout my whole research, I kept having to remind myself that this was all, like, recent. And I realized that almost after I was done researching. Just wanted to toss that in there. Because even when you were saying that, I was like, how did he date Cindy Crawford? Anyway, yeah, he did. Yeah, he, sorry, he dated was, Cindy Crawford and Daryl Hannah and stuff like that. A jam in the conversation. But no, no, yeah. it's fine. But the interesting thing is... He worked in a law firm. He stayed politically active because he's rich. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what you, what else do you do when you're really rich? Politics. That's it. He was always working with the Democrats. That, yeah, that's important to both sides of both of our stories. Right. And he attended law school while he still worked at the legal firm. 
He also did some acting in the mid 80s. I didn't really realize wow. that. He was really passionate about it, but his mother didn't like it and discouraged it. She, she said it was not stable. Super handsome dude, though. Yeah. Absolutely. My co-host Colin, who I was talking about earlier, after he sent me the links, we were like, yeah, he's hot. And I was like, okay, but we're talking about different things here. And he, yeah. Shout out JFK Jr. Super handsome dude. And in, ni- in 1988, he got a law degree. Okay. After he broke up with Daryl Hannah, they dated for five years. And she was an Olympian, by the way, prior to being an actor. She so. was also an actor? Daryl Hannah? Yeah. Yeah, she was an actor. Oh, okay. She's really famous. Uh-huh. Her most famous movie is called Splash with Tom Hanks. Oh, okay. Yeah. So anyway, they dated for five years. Wow. It's probably all that education. (laughs) (laughs) Um, John Jr. met and married Carolyn Bassett. Yes. I'm sorry, Carolyn Bessett. That I know. She was not a celebrity. Yeah. Okay. She was just, she was a fashion publicist for Calvin Klein. Okay. They got married at a secret ceremony in Georgia. And that's important. Their marriage was always pretty rocky. And the reason it was a secret ceremony is because she hated being constantly harassed by the press. Because she's dating JFK Jr., John was used to it. He just It just was like background noise for him. Yeah. She always hated it. Another factor in their bad relationship was John really wanted kids, and Carolyn Bessett just didn't want kids. Really? Yeah, she didn't want okay, kids. Okay, that's interesting. Well, moving on. In 1995, John Jr. started a political magazine called George. Do you know why it was called George, or it was just George? Yeah, you'll find out in a second. Okay. Um, the, first I- the first issue was broadly criticized for its image of Cindy Crawford posing quite sexy as George Washington. Oh, all right. She was wearing a powder, a powdered wig and a ruffled shirt. That was a theme in the magazine, and actually it featured a lot of famous women posing as George Washington. So it was like political playboy? It was almost but like political not... maxim. Do you so remember? Maxim's, Do you know what maxim is? Yeah, maxim yeah, is it was like playboy. It was like example. political maxim, okay. yeah. The, but his magazine did feature a lot of political figures that we recognize today. Okay. Including Donald Trump before he was, quote, a politician, and I'll yeah. put that in air quotes, and Kellyanne Conway. That's yeah, we, something. We recognize their names. <laughs> Maybe Kellyanne Conway before she was awful, but she was probably always awful. Okay, yeah. The magazine started strong, but after just two years, it began to fade. It started in 1995. It ceased publication in 2001, so it didn't even make it 10 years. Okay. But by June of 1999, John Jr.'s world was well on its way to falling apart. He and Carolyn were living apart. His magazine was expected to lose $10 million in 1999. His cousin and the best man at his wedding, Anthony Radziwill, was gravely ill with cancer. And his cousin had just died in a skiing accident. Which cousin? His cousin's name was... Oh, Michael... Michael, that's yeah. it. Yeah, his cousin Michael died in a skiing accident. Damn. And to top it all off, he had broken his ankle badly in a paraglider crash, and he was in a cast. Those Kennedys. Do you know what a paraglider is? Yeah, it's like the... I know what paragliding is, but there's a lot of parachute action sports. You're strapped to a parachute, and you have like a fan is on that what... backpack. Oh, oh, yeah, and yeah. And then yeah, you okay, fly it okay. around like an airplane. Yeah. I'll post a picture you. to the Instagram yeah. so everybody knows. So you can see that things weren't, they weren't great for yeah. John. It's a bad year. I would say 99 is not a great year for John. He's broken in multiple senses of the word and yeah. almost broke. Right. Projected to be broke. Right. Now is a perfect time to become a pilot. Yeah. I mean. Naturally. Right, of course. I mean, you would know. I don't know. But he'd always dreamt of being a pilot, okay? From the time he was a small child, he wanted to fly airplanes. You know, fun fact, so did I. I know that feeling. I did want to fly airplanes when I was a little kid, and it's fun. Yeah, I know, I'm jealous. The FAA grounded me. Why? I used to have epilepsy. Oh. Yeah. That would do it. But John had the money to make it a reality. Even if he yeah, wasn't going to be a professional, he was already a lawyer, he, was, he owned a magazine, blah, blah, blah. He was just going to buy an airplane and fly himself around, so he wanted to be a yeah, pilot. Like a private. Yeah. Yeah. So now we're going to talk about John Jr., JFK Jr., as a pilot. Let's do it. So he began flight training in 1982 while he was still in college. Okay. He flew on and off until September 1988. By that time, he'd flown with six different instructors. He had a total of just 47 hours, which is not a lot at all. Yeah, I was going to say. And of all those hours, he'd only spent one hour 
without an instructor. I went and, to flight school for three days. I know that's not good. Right. Yeah. And there were no entries in his logbook from September 1988 until late 1997. Which, so not only had he basically not flown very don't much. Don't you like have to restart after a certain time frame? Yeah, too? he basically If you're not a restart. Kennedy, like if you're just a civilian, if you don't fly for a certain amount of time, you have to like... Well, I mean, he didn't have your... a license or anything. So he oh, just really okay. had to just... He would have just forgotten all everything. That he he should have just not years. been in a plane. I That's... Well, that's, yeah. Behind the sticks of a until plane. he was better trained, or whatever anyway. you call it. What do you call a plane steering wheel? A steering wheel? A yoke. A yoke? Mm-hmm. He shouldn't have been on the yokes. I agree. <laughs> on the yokes, I love it. Yeah, because I remember when we went to flight school. It was like if you get your private's license, you have to renew it every like year or something. Yeah, a private pilot license needs a biennial flight review, which is every two years. Okay, but you have to be current to fly an airplane which means you have to have flown three takeoffs and landings either during the day or at night within the preceding 90 days. All right. So, uh, yeah. So that's the level of current. I remember hearing that. It was in high school, though. That's a whole different story. Yeah, that's, yeah, I understand. So beginning in December 1997, John went to training for his private pilot certificate, and he went to Flight Safety Academy in Vero Beach, Florida. Okay. Fun fact, I was there in May 1999. So you were there right after him. Kind of. Yeah, I was there in May ninety nine. Yeah, I was there I'd in consider May ninety nine. From May right ninety nine, I was there from May ninety nine to December ninety nine. For or the, January two thousand. I'm sorry. For the benefit of the story, you guys went to flight school together. We would have nearly overlapped if, if he actually one did it. month. Yeah, we would have overlapped by one month. Okay. During his time there, he flew an additional fifty hours. At some point between December nineteen ninety seven and April nineteen ninety eight, he bought himself an airplane. Yeah, and he flew it. The airplane that he bought is a high-wing four-seat aircraft, not considered a trainer, but not a very complicated aircraft. It's called a Cessna 182. It's four seats, high wings, nice airplane. I was going to ask just out of random if it was a Cessna. It is a Cessna. But so then was it, it had a prop, right? Yeah. Okay, so it has cool. a prop in the front and it's, but it's not, a, I mean, it's a good airplane and it's an expensive airplane, but it's not very complicated. It has yeah. fixed landing gear, pretty easy airplane. Like to fly. a step above. Yeah. You could be a private pilot and fly it. No problem. Cool. John was getting his private pilot license. The instructor who was helping John get his private pilot test stated that, quote, he had very good skills for his level of experience, so that was good, and he got his private pilot's license in April of 1998. Oh, okay. So he did get his license. Yeah, he got his private pilot's license, and he kept flying that good old Cessna. Again, I'll post that on Instagram. It is a nice plane. I saw a picture of it. Yeah, it really is. In March of 99, John took his instrument airplane written exam. Yeah. So instrument airplane is where you can fly in the clouds. Wait, so before that, you have to stay at like a certain altitude? You have to stay clear. Or if there's you clouds, to, you like can't go You can't in fly air. in them. Oh, okay. You have to fly under them, around them, above them, whatever. Interesting. But you can't fly in them. That almost sounds more fun than not passing that test. For really Continue, good Continue, sorry. Okay. <laughs> he went back to Flight Safety Academy, and he started his training for his instrument rating in April of 99. Again, that's the rating that allows you to fly in the clouds or more accurately without reference to the outside. There's a legal definition, but what's important is that it lets you fly around when you can't see jack shit outside. Yeah. Right? When you can't see the ground, whatever. You're just in limbo. Sure. In in a motorized vehicle with other people with you. Yeah, you're just responsible for their lives Lives. too. So John completed 12 of the 25 lessons. His instructor at Flight Safety Academy felt that his progression was, quote, mostly normal, and he grasped the basic skills needed to complete the course, but he had trouble managing multiple tasks while flying. I mean, I'm no pilot, but that doesn't sound that good. It doesn't sound that great, does it? No. Nevertheless, John, you know, he kept flying his own airplane. I mean, he's a Kennedy. But he did become discouraged from his progress there at Flight Safety, but also that's when his cousin Michael died. In a skiing oh, okay. accident. So he kind of, t- he just took a break. Yeah. He kind of stepped back from his instrument lessons and he took a break. And he went home. He took around a two to three month break. But just before taking the break, just before his cousin died, he had sold his Cessna and he bought what's called a Piper Saratoga. That's the plane I saw. That's the one you saw. Yeah. So a Saratoga is a single engine airplane that's low wing. It is not a trainer. It seats six people. It has retractable landing gear, big engine. It goes fast. It can go a really long way. It is still a prop plane, but it is not at all a trainer. I would not consider that a private pilot airplane at all. Interesting. But John had planned to get his instrument. So, you know, whatever. And he has the money. And he has the money. Thanks so why to not? Aristotle. Right. Aristotle. That Putting a, it all together. Yeah. So the airplane, it had different flying characteristics than the 
Cessna 172, it's less stable of an airplane when you fly it. It's li- literally less stable. Is that because of the low wings? Because of the low wing, and it has an aft center of gravity, which makes it, which can make it a little more pitchy depending oh, on how okay, it's loaded. Yeah. It has a higher load. It carries more fuel. So it's more complicated, and it, it, it has not as stable characteristics. Yeah. I've flown both the 182 and the Saratoga, and the Saratoga is definitely more of an advanced airplane. It had a good autopilot, a very good autopilot. And he was taught how to use it, and John did know how to use the autopilot in the Saratoga. Okay. Okay. That could be potentially important. Yeah, it definitely it definitely is. Now, he bought the airplane, and then he took a break, right? He got his endorsement to fly the, quote, complex airplane. That's a special endorsement that you have to have. It's not on your license, but it goes in your logbook. Okay. And he did get, the, get that endorsement. It was required for his insurance as well. He had about 30 hours in that airplane total. Only three hours were without an instructor. With that, okay. Okay, so basically 27 hours with an instructor, three hours by himself. Of that three hours, only one hour was spent at night and by himself. I did read that. Yeah, so that's... up until now, I didn't know how important that detail was. Yeah, it's pretty important. So during John's break, he he didn't fly the Saratoga much. He was out flying a paraglider, right? Yeah. And that ended up... He ended up crashing it somehow or whatever, and he broke his ankle. So that he was in a cast for six weeks... And he couldn't fly anything during that time. Yeah. Okay, but during John's two to three month break from lessons, he didn't fly the Saratoga much. This is when he was out flying the paraglider and ended up having some kind of crash and he broke his ankle. So that he was in a cast for six weeks and he couldn't fly anyway. It was late April to late June when he just couldn't fly oh, okay, at all. Okay, okay, right? Gotcha. That was like kind of the break that he took. But he did go and fly one time to get current. Okay. One time. A couple days, with like a week. With a broken foot. With a broken foot. He went and flew with, with a cast. Okay, we're going to learn about that in a second. On Wednesday, July 14th, so now we're in the sort of mid-July, John and his wife, Carolyn, joined her sister, Lauren, for lunch at the Stanhope Hotel. She was concerned that the couple was living apart, and Lauren was aware that the couple did seek to reconcile. Okay. So they want to get back together. Good for um, them. Despite being separated, John and Carolyn had planned to attend an event in Hyannisport, Massachusetts a few days later, and the plan was for John to fly them to Hyannisport, but make a stop at Martha's Vineyard to drop off Lauren, and then John and Carolyn were going to go to the wedding of John's cousin Rory in in Hyannisport. Okay. So basically, they're going to fly from Sussex, New Jersey to Martha's Vineyard, Martha's Vineyard drop off Lauren... That's um, that is Carolyn's sister. Yeah, and then fly from Martha's Vineyard to Hyannis. Okay, and that's a really short flight. Yeah, but the other one's a little longer, about an hour and a half or something. Okay. The next day on Thursday, John went to his orthopedic surgeon, and he was there to have his cast removed. Once the cast was off, his ankle was still tender, and he needed crutches to walk. Naturally, but let's go fly anyway. Yeah, why not? On the morning of Friday, July sixteenth. John reconciled with his wife, Carolyn, over the phone. They confirmed the plan, which was to leave Essex, New Jersey, for Martha's Vineyard at 6.30 p.m. that night. They both showed up at around 5.30 p.m., but Lauren was really late. But she didn't get there till almost 8.30. Wow. So they took off two hours late. Yeah. So instead of leaving at 6.30, they left at 8.30. The intention was for them to take off during the day and land at Mar- in Martha's Vineyard at dusk. Okay. During the delay, an instructor that John was familiar with had asked John if he could join him for the flight. Despite not flying his airplane except for one time for like a couple months before that, John declined. He decided to go with the two ladies being his wife and his sister, or wife and her sister. That instructor had previously noted that John, quote, had the ability to fly the airplane without a, vis- a visible horizon but may have experienced difficulty performing additional tasks under such conditions. He also stated that John was not ready for his instrument evaluation or his check ride, basically, and he needed additional training. And also, why would like why wouldn't you want your instructor there? I don't really know. Or at because, least a co-pilot. You're already, you know, the plan's already messed up. Right, it's all messed up already. And also, John was actually known to take an instructor with him on a regular That's basis. Odd. Um, one thing that he was known to do was take an instructor to like drop him off, and then the instructor would take the plane back. 
Well, yeah, that's what I was thinking. So that's because you had a wedding anyway, what right? You, like, what are you gonna valet the plane? He did that on a regular basis. That's a bad joke. He did it on a regular basis, but to this time he didn't want to. He that's wanted odd. to go by himself. Yeah. Okay. So as long as John could see the horizon, he'd be fine, right? But pilots reported that the weather at the time of departure from New Jersey was very hazy. Yeah. Very hazy, variable clouds. However, he took off anyway. The visibility did get better as the flight progressed. But the problem was there was a really high overcast layer. So as the sun went down and the moon came up, the moon was blocked up from the clouds, causing what pilots will call a dark night. Or, I mean, you can imagine, right? It's basically a moonless night. Yeah. It may be clear. You may be able to see 30 miles, but... There's no light. There's no light. Yeah. Here's some interesting things. Along the route, John never spoke on the radio to anybody. He didn't file a flight plan with the FAA. He wasn't required to, but he didn't. He never asked for any kinds of assistance. In fact, after leaving Essex County, John came close enough to a commercial jet that was landing in Westchester at White Plains, close enough that he had triggered the collision avoidance system, the TCAS. In the jet? In the jet. But LaGuardia Tower, Westchester Tower, and the jet tried to contact him multiple times, but there was never a response. Okay. Thankfully, the jet spotted him, avoided him, nothing happened. John progressed. So he almost hit a jet on his way to Martha's Vineyard. I mean, I don't know if it or would be almost, almost, but I mean, he got, he close got enough. in the way. Yeah, okay. he got he got close enough That's for wild. the jet to get an, an alert that says, hey, you have traffic. But John never altered the course and wasn't reachable. That is wild. Right. So the flight proceeded as was predicted. And the radar track shows that shortly after passing Judith Point, Rhode Island, John's plane headed directly towards Martha's Vineyard. So instead of following the coastline up Rhode Island Sound, Buzzards Bay, and then turning sort of out over, which that that's out of Woods Hole and puts Martha's Vineyard really close. Yeah. Instead of doing that, he just turns at Judith Point and he goes straight out over the ocean. And that's 30 miles over open ocean. But is that still in the general direction oh yeah he's going straight toward the island oh, so instead okay. of kind of like looping up and keeping the land in sight and then yeah short, having literal he, landmarks right he landmarks just, and stuff yeah. and being able to see lights and being able to see the ground he just turns out over the ocean and now he's pointed into blackness essentially so Bad idea yeah so i can talk about that for a second so crossing bodies of water at night can be dangerous besides the engine failing right and having to ditch the airplane because that it does happen it's yeah. not it's rare but it does happen besides that there are absolutely no features there's no horizon yeah and if there's no moon there's no reflection off the water you don't see anything out there it's just black from from close to you to above you so in essence even though you like i said the visibility might be like 30 miles you can't see anything it's kind of like flying in a cloud it's but the exact opposite. Right. It's just, it's like painting over your window black. Jeez. There's nothing out there. Yeah. You can't see anything. So that's kind of dangerous, right? John, I mean, it sounds very dangerous. He wasn't certified for that. This is called operating yeah. by sole reference to the instruments. He wasn't certified. He dropped out of the course, and a couple instructors said that he wasn't ready to take the test. Yeah. But now he's doing it on his own. And he had what you said, one hour of. Night. One hour of nighttime in that airplane by himself. Jesus Christ. But he went anyway. He turns towards Martha's Vineyard, and despite some, quote, gaps in training and questionable weather and lack of communications, because you're not talking on any radios or anything, he's not yeah. talking to anybody, he continues to Martha's Vineyard. Now the trouble happens. He never arrives in Martha's Vineyard, as we know. Yep. Okay. At 10.05 p.m., a summer intern in Martha's Vineyard contacts the FAA in Bridgeport, Connecticut about their failure to arrive. But the intern was told that no information could be released to him over the phone. Okay, so now we know. It was later revealed that John Saratoga had crashed into the Atlantic Ocean. We know it was 9.41 p.m. that night. So let's talk about the crash a little bit, and then we'll continue about the story. So 8.38 p.m. to 9.41 p.m. And how long did it take for them to realize he wasn't there? Not very Okay. I'm kind of Because that's what I read. Yeah. 
So just 20 minutes. And I'm actually pretty surprised that yeah. they didn't, that it was that quick. Because he could have just like turned, went a different way. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how the intern would have known they didn't arrive. I feel like maybe he would have called and said, we're going to be there at such time. But I didn't find any information like that. Let's just, we'll just. Yeah, I didn't see anything have. about that. Yeah. But I just, I remember reading it was like very quick. They were like, he's not here. Right, which is, like I said, which is actually really unusual. Yeah. Normally, it's going to be a wait of, like, hours. If you didn't file a flight plan, it's basically like you're driving a car. Yeah. Oh, we'll be there. Oh, we decided to stop and, you know, do X, Y, Z. Nobody's really watching you. They did look up the radar tracks after the incident was reported. The radar tracks showed that the Piper Saratoga began a descent for the airport. At 2,200 feet, it plummeted 1,000 feet in just 14 seconds. Okay, so that's pretty steep. Yeah, I'm assuming that's really not good. No, that's over 5,000 feet a minute. Jesus. The descent rate in that airplane should be between a th- about 1,000 feet a minute. Okay. That should be what a controlled descent looks like. 750 to 1,000 so feet he a just, minute. So not a literal nosedive, but he just like yeah. gunned it towards what I assume is still the ocean. Yeah, it's the ocean. Okay. Yep. Um, he levels there at 1,100 feet for 24 seconds, and the last known radar snapshot at 34 seconds past 9.40 p.m. catches the airplane descending out of 1,000 feet at a rate of around, again, around 5,000 feet per minute. Wow. So kind of descends 1,000 feet, levels off for a little while, maybe gets the airplane under control, loses control of the aircraft again, descends at 5,000 feet a minute. And then the radar signature is lost. How fast does that plane go? So if you had to, Unless you know the exact answer. But if you had to guess, how fast were they going? If you're like level. Yeah, so if you're in level cruise flight, about 150 knots, which is about 175 miles an hour. Wow. Something like that. So then if you're diving, I assume it's faster than 175 miles an hour. Sure. Yeah. Could be. Okay. Yeah. Early the next morning, so at 2 a.m. the next morning, the family, the Kennedy family, calls the Coast Guard. They search for the aircraft, but the Coast Guard finds nothing. They don't even find the emergency locator transmitter, which is like a beacon. Yeah. They don't hear anything, and that would be available like through a through radio beacon. Mm-hmm. They don't hear it. They don't find anything. The plane and the three occupants had just disappeared. Wow. But on July 19th, the Coast Guard used a side-scan sonar and produced high-resolution images of an aircraft wreckage. Navy divers dove down to the site. They found parts of the Saratoga strewn over a broad area of seabed about 120 feet below the surface, approximately 7.5 miles, which is about 12 kilometers west of Martha's Vineyard. So they're pretty close. They're pretty close. They're within 10 miles of the airport. But they're off the coast, so technically that's the ocean. Definitely the ocean. Because that's like kind of near where I grew up. Like there's a ferry that goes from where I grew up to Martha's Vineyard. Yeah, and it's not that long. So it's, yeah, I mean the ferry's Couple like hours. an hour, yeah. hour and a half. Right. But that's wild. Yeah, okay. And plane crashes and they hit water are like miles long, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it breaks apart. and Well, because then everything like floats. Floats and, sinks and stuff and, like that, yeah. yeah. they But they actually, in this case... So they found it with sonar. Side scan sonar, right? And Navy they divers came in. Went in. And on the afternoon of July 21st, divers recovered the bodies of John and the Bessett sisters. Divers found the Bessett sisters near the fuselage while John himself was still strapped in the pilot seat. So the sisters were... Outside of the plane, but still strapped in the seat, so the plane was okay broken apart. Yeah, Coast Guard Admiral said that all three bodies were quote near and under the fuselage, still strapped in. So that's the story, and we all knew that. We all knew how it ended. Yeah, but let's talk about what happened. Spoiler alert! Right, there are a few things that stand out to me. They also stood out to the NTSB, National Transportation Safety Board, when they did their investigation. Okay. So we're going to talk about the biggest factors. What we call as pilots get their itis. Okay. So Lauren shows up two hours yeah. late. It's getting dark. They had originally planned the flight during the day, right? She shows up late. Junior's getting a little nervous. Yep. He decides to go anyway. Yeah. The weather's shit. The weather in Essex, New Jersey's shit. He doesn't even know the weather in Martha's Vineyard. We're going to find that out in a minute. He never calls before he leaves to check the weather in Martha's Vineyard. Oh, Okay. He doesn't know what the weather is there. He just leaves. And I think it's probably because, well, let's see. Lauren had wanted to be there that night. Yeah. They had the wedding the next day. They'd already waited two hours. So he's sitting there waiting to like go the whole time. It's also safe to assume Carolyn. Carolyn. Carolyn's already mad. 
Probably. Yeah. Just right. in general. Right. So that leads me to this. So Lots that's of called, stress and arguments. So let's, right. So that's called get there artists. They have this, they have this yeah. drive to get there. But one of the factors that the NTSB talks about is stress. And you led right into that. He'd broken his ankle in an ultralight crash. So we know that he's on crutches, for God's sakes. He's hobbling on crutches. He's potentially still in pain. And his, his flight instructor had to help him fly the airplane prior to having his cast off. Yeah. And now he's got his cast off and he hasn't flown the airplane except this time since he has his cast off, but he's still walking on crutches. Again, it's questionable decision making. Very. Right? His marriage was in trouble. We know that. His magazine was failing. We talked about that. Here's something we didn't talk about. When we look into what happened the day before, he gets his cast cut off, but he doesn't get much sleep the night before. He actually went to a New York Yankees game and then he met friends for food and then he drinks food and drinks afterwards. He didn't get back to his hotel until around 2 a.m. So how much sleep did he get? I mean, yeah. maybe he slept till 10, but I'm guessing he got four or five hours of sleep. Just poor decision-making all around. Yeah, we touched on this. It was a new airplane to him. Yeah. He had a total of 30 hours in this airplane. Only three of those were alone. alone. Three, and only one at night by himself. I'm usually good at like hypotheticals, but I don't even know how you could... like. It's like driving a... 90s Toyota Camry to the club and then waking up the next day and driving cross country in a Lambo. Yes. That's manual. Totally. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. With a broken foot. With a broken foot. <laughs> that, that's true. So we talked about his hours. He only had a total of 350 hours. And of that whole time, he'd spent less than 100 hours in an airplane by himself. He'd flown that Saratoga that we talked about. or He'd flown it 30 hours and only three by himself. And... He hadn't flown it, and he'd flown it one time in the preceding three months. And that flight alone was like, I mean, you said earlier, it's like an hour and a half to Martha's Vineyard. Yeah. Then then you got to take off of there and fly to Hyannis, which is another like 25 minutes. So he base, yeah, okay. I mean, it's... I'm sure whoever's listening can do math. Right. That's like all of his experience <laughs> in one flight at night in the clouds. Yes. Arguing with right. his wife. Arguing with his wife and his wife's sister. And his sister, yeah. Right. Or his wife's sister. The weather. We talked. We touched on this, right? But upon investigation, the NTSB found two pilots that were there the night of his departure. One of the pilots actually tried to like go and find him and tell him not to go. Yeah. But John had gone across the street to the convenience store, and the pilot couldn't find him, so he left. I wonder what he bought at the convenience store. I kind of wonder that too. Best cure to a hangover is keep drinking. Uh, I, I'm I, and I got See, I got, here and I got some theories the outside of this theory too. Right, <laughs> I got some conspiracies. conspiracies that are out of these conspiracies. This isn't too. even in my notes. Now I'm just thinking based off what you told me. And then another pilot said that it was said that he was going to go out and fly, but that it was too bad that night for him to fly. But I do want to note that the weather on the Martha's Vineyard end was better. And John did not wreck when he left New Jersey. Okay. So so he kind of made it through the... He made it through what those pilots considered would be the worst of it. Okay. But it still wasn't like optimal. No, God. Yeah. And he's... And it was dark out. Overnight. He, right. He's pointing out over the ocean, completely black, black, That's moonless That's terrifying. Night. That's terrifying. Right? Even in a boat. And John didn't have... open water And he terrifying. didn't have an instructor. He actually told the instructor not to go with him. And yeah. this plays into another theory I have. So he asked the instructor not to accompany him. And like I said, John was known to hire instructors to, to go fly with him. with him and actually like fly his airplane back or just go and accompany him. Yeah. It's not like John didn't have the money to like put the dude up exactly. in a hotel or pay him 50 bucks an hour or whatever to fly him, which is probably even way more than he would have paid him. But still, he had the money to do it. It's odd. The instructor was there and offering him. He told him no. Because then also you get there, you have to taxi your own plane, do all this. Like he, he's, there's still things to do once he gets there and then he has to go to a wedding. Right, and that, like he's already running two two hours behind. two hours. Late. Okay, yeah, th that makes no sense. And then, as we know, and then no radio contact. So this is kind of an interesting part. The NTSB examines the wreckage, finds that there's no malfunctions of the autopilot in the wreckage, but it's not on. Yeah. So the FAA has ways to tell, or the NTSB has ways to tell if the autopilot is on or off. Do small planes like that have a black box, or is that only they big do planes? not? Oh, okay. Only aircraft over a certain number of passengers. That I don't remember what it is. So not, so he didn't use the autopilot. Yeah. Autopilot not on. That could have saved his life. He's trying to be macho. Right. And the other thing is the radios in the airplane were all on 
what the NTSB would have considered known frequencies, except they were off. Wait, so by the radio one digit? Oh, okay. I thought you meant they were just off. No, so they're just. So he wasn't even on the right. So he's trying. So the NTSB actually thinks that he tried to make radio contact, like with when he made the jet. Yeah, make a maneuver to or when mo- he did the dives and right or at like multiple when, points at multiple points we we think that he tried to contact people but he had the radio tuned wrong and it kind of plays back to where the instructor had said he can do it but he can't do other tasks while he does it yeah so MB he's like detail oriented right he's concentrating on flying and he gets he fucks up other stuff well before I lose my thought as far as frequencies go. Is he just not tuned into the airports he was supposed to? Like, are there multiple frequencies while you're flying? Are you actively changing that as you go? Yes. So, and cut this out if you're about to say it, but I read that he actually made contact with an airport in Farmingdale on Long Island. So maybe they were on that frequency. And he was saying that, like, he couldn't see anything. And he was asking them to contact Martha's Vineyard to, like, make sure he was good to go there. Oh, see, I didn't read that. I, yeah. I won't cut that out. I didn't okay. read that, though. Yeah. That's interesting. So whatever frequency he was on, he made contact with somebody along an the airport. Way. That wasn't even in an article. I watched it in a YouTube video today. Oh. The airport he made contact with was like 106 miles flying from Distance. Martha's Vineyard. He contacted them, and they were like, yeah, we'll call them, I guess, but you're nowhere near them. Like, if you know, talking to him, like, if you know where Farmingdale is, you're, and somehow you're talking to... so. Somehow he contacted this random, and I've been to Farmingdale Airport, really tiny private airport on yeah. Long Island, yep. and asked them to call Martha's Vineyard to like assist him. That's interesting because it is easy to like miss a digit, yeah, because the radio frequencies spacing pilots we use like every frequency. So if I get a digit wrong, sometimes I'll call and be like, "Hey, you know, such and such," and they'll say, "Oh, this is uh, Muncie, Indiana ground." you need to call center on, like, I'm on 125 decimal three, and they'll be like, oh, you need to call center on 126 decimal three. Yeah. And that's what the NTSB thinks that happened to John, is that he had one digit wrong, and he's trying to call. And from what you said, that makes sense. He tries to call Martha's Vineyard, but he's just one digit off. And, and he, he picks contacted up the wrong airport. And, and I forget, it was a reliable source too. I didn't jot it down, but it was either I watched a CNN news video, a CNN video, and then a Smithsonian video. So it was one of those two sources said that he actually contacted an airport, but they were kind of like, "You're nowhere near Martha's Vineyard. We'll contact them, but we don't really know what you want us to say." Right. And then he didn't answer them. And then he never answered them, yeah. probably because he's trying to change his radios yeah. or something or something like that but let's i mean but let's talk about so yeah like what sh- really should have happened right he should have just canceled the flight yeah he should have gone with an instructor any one of those links in his safety chain right in the chain that led up to this any one of those things could have stopped this accident yeah. so he shouldn't have gone to start with very when, avoidable when when lauren was late he should have just canceled it's nighttime now he should yeah, have just sorry. been like hey we needed to go and land when it was daytime i'm sorry we can't go like you said he's a kennedy right he's got some ego he's a good looking guy yeah. he's a lawyer he owns a magazine blah actor. blah 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 right an actor he doesn't Dated want supermodels yep and he's like i don't want to i'm good enough to do this yeah and maybe that was his downfall okay so so i always say what has changed so this was a really small crash as a result of this crash nothing changed all that changed is that he killed himself, his wife's sister and his wife. And his wife. That's really all that happened. It wasn't, there was no system failure. There was no real significant training failure. This was his fault. Yeah. This was just his fault. Okay. So what happened in the end? The remains of all three of the people on board were cremated and given an at-sea burial, thus creating the perfect conditions for a conspiracy. Yeah. Because when you do that, there's no perceived trail of did this person actually die? What happened to the body? Did we? We do know that the coroner looked at all three bodies prior to cremation and the coroner declared death from impact. Yeah. So blunt trauma, blunt force trauma killed all three people. But let's start with you walking us through some of the conspiracies. And then I want to kind of loop back to what we started to talk about before and you said oh it sounds like a good time to do a hair of the dog right like he's gonna go across the street and and have a little drink but there there may be something else and so that one i kind of made up but we can talk about that yeah you made it up but i'm not gonna say that that hasn't happened 
Yeah, and also I didn't know that he did that. So who knows what he was doing at that convenience? Because what are you what are you gonna go? Really bad joke coming up. What are you like buying peanuts for the flight or something? Right. Yeah. Secretly a great joke. Um, I want to start with one that we basically already debunked, which is through all the facts you just gave me, and I rep- I. I'll try and filter out, but most of what you just said I have in my notes, which debunks the theory that in 1999, Hillary Clinton was also running for Senate, which he was running for at the time of his death. So in the conspiracy world, everyone thinks that the Clintons are these devious murderers, and I don't know how people listening feel about that. I know my my co-host feels that way. I'm not that political, so I'm just like, oh, it's the Clintons. But the theory says that the Clintons either rigged the plane— to assassinate him or used a planted pilot, which we now know is not true, because they viewed him as a, as a political opponent. So yeah, it's immediately debunked by the fact that Junior was the pilot, and then the NTS... And multiple, and, and multiple sources saw them getting, them in, the getting plane. in the airplane and yeah. leaving. And he spoke to multiple people who right. were like, don't fly this plane. So there's a lot of witnesses that prove the plant that there was no extra pilot on board. I don't even know how people can run with that. Yeah. And then, as you said, the NTSB investigated the crash and reported the stating the cause of the accident is stated in the report, the pilot's failure to maintain control of the airplane, as we said, over water at night. Um, then they go on to say the, like they go on to talk about the weather, which we already spoke about. Right. So they concluded that based off his flight path, logged hours, night training, weather conditions, that it was an accident. Right. So now we know this. The Clintons did not murder JFK Jr., no matter how bad anyone wants to believe it. Right. I, I do want to note, the one thing I do want to note is that the NTSB did say the aircraft engine was operating properly upon impact. Yeah. So there's a way they can tell that. And also, before you take off in... I assume any aircraft, but I know from my three days of flight school, you have to do the pre-flight checks. Yeah. So even if they rigged the plane, he Junior would have had to do the checks, I'm assuming, if he had help with the pilot who was trying to fly with him. Right. Like, there's no way the Clintons are tied to it. It just, the, I, I agree. Yeah. The Clintons are not tied so to So that's that. immediately debunked. Um, they didn't rig the plane. Also, he flew it for over an like over an hour yeah. before it quote would have. It's not like it took off something. and exploded, right, or it didn't took take... off and went down immediately. Exactly. Or... exactly. It flew for an hour and then yeah. Let's just leave it at that. That's not. So then everyone's debunked this. Multiple sources have debunked this. The Massachusetts coroner debunked this. The airport debunked this. Everything says the Clintons didn't do it. So the next theory is QAnon, and I they, love this. Let's they say we got to dig deep into this. Like one. yeah, they say like what you're saying. Since the bodies were cremated and there's no evidence that it was actually JFK Jr.'s body, that that was a body double. His wife and his sister-in-law are actually dead. He didn't get on the plane, which we know isn't true. He went into theory number two: is he still alive and goes to Trump rallies, which is like the basis of it. Well, the theory is fueled by, and the source on this is this dude, Will Somer, who wrote a book called Trust the Plan, The Rise of QAnon and the Conspiracy that Shaped America. So according to this guy who researches QAnon, I guess, roughly 20% of that QAnon- That became a thing. That's sad that that has I know, to become right? a thing, That's right? That's someone's job. Roughly 20% of all of QAnon believes that this was a body double and JFK Jr. is alive and at Trump rallies. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry. I had to take a laugh break there. Go ahead. Yeah. They believe he faked his death in order to return. And I put in because it makes it this much more ridiculous in order to return two decades later to help Trump drain the swamp that didn't even exist when he died. And Trump wasn't involved in politics when he died. So that's just me being the the couple pine spot debunker. Okay, but uh, I don't see how you can even begin to conceive that idea. Trump was involved in politics and his in magazine 99. George actually had a spot on Trump. However, but Trump wasn't saying in 20 years I'm going to run for president. Correct. But that was after JFK died. He was He in was in George. George magazine but after JFK Jr. died. Yeah, see, so So that wasn't right. Hey QAnon, stop. Right, right stop. I agree so, with you. So QAnon, who has to be right all the time, their first theory was JFK Jr. is Q. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. And what? there's Are no evidence behind this. That's just their main claim. JFK, JFK Jr. is Q. 
He's been in hiding, sending out these cryptic messages saying that him and Trump are in cahoots and they're going to change the world or the country or whatever QAnon's beliefs are. So then... Oh my God. I never... Uh, I didn't even hear that. Yeah. That so then, is Q. Oh my God. I love it. I love it so much. Then they were saying that they, do, they uh, decrypted these messages and convinced themselves that based off what Q was putting out, that JFK Jr. was going to reveal himself in 2019 because Q was saying that there was some like day where he was going to make known who he was and all this stuff. Right. I read um, that. So yeah, he was supposed to reveal himself in 2019 to replace Pence on the 2020 re-election ticket. So that happened, right? That didn't happen. Right, exactly. So then QAnon, then they changed it to he's replacing Pence when Trump was reinstated in 2021. On August Whenever they think it's going to happen, whenever they're going to win Arizona or California. Every time I see a headline, it's a different state, too, which is a whole. They're going to win Michigan or Pennsylvania. They're going to win something and Trump's back in office. Mm -hmm. We all know that's not happening. And JFK Jr. is going to be. He's going to replace Pence once they get reinstated. But I also do want to point out something is JFK Jr. throughout his entire life worked for the Democrats. I just want to point that out. It's something that, look, his legacy is not one of ultra-conservative conspiracy Republicans. Exactly. So, yeah, I have... Okay, so their final theory is, and then I'll get into who they think this guy is. Once that didn't happen, or I mean, now it's September, we know it's not going to happen because it was supposed to be in August. August. Their most recent theory is he's going to be the vice president when Trump apparently runs in 2024. Here's the the thing that I want to see, though. I want to see... After Trump, after he doesn't run with Trump in 2024, because he's actually dead. Um, yeah. What happens to the JFK Jr. theory after that? It's just going to change again because it's QAnon. If they're wrong, they're just going to change Yeah, they're it. just going to change it, right? It's, it's like, like the it, end of the world. It's the end of the world date. 2012, whatever the next one is, there's probably some in between I skipped over. Right. I put down a little side note before I dove into... Because QAnon has published who like images... Of, of the, the guy, guy that, that they is think, JFK. Yeah. Ju- that they believe is JFK Jr. So yes. my little side note before I dove into that was, why would JFK Jr. switch parties to help out the most failed president in history? Right. JFK Sr. was a Democrat. He's a Kennedy. Robert Kennedy. They all, like yeah, all the Kennedys. Kennedy's These de- guys are all, like I said, Democratic New England through through. Democrats. Massachusetts is a blue state. They're all from Massachusetts. Why would he do that? So that's just QAnon. Shut your faces. Then I started looking into this dude who's like all over the internet, who's apparently JFK Jr. But he doesn't look like JFK Jr. At all. And the theory is that he had surgery to alter his appearance. Of course, that's the theory. I could hear Colin in my head saying, oh, well, he just had plastic surgery and me yelling at Colin. Isn't that's just always the thing? You could just and, point, but you could just point at anybody yeah. and anybody else and say, they're twins. And yeah. you'd be like... Come on. And there's like, well, so many instances of it. We talk about it all the time. And I'm not saying Colin believes in QAnon or anything like that, but he usually likes to debate because we'd be on the same side here, but he just likes to play devil's advocate. Yeah, I don't want to associate him with that. Didn't even look it up. Didn't have any sources on it. Knew that that was going to be their excuse. They think that it's this dude. Um, I wrote down his full name. I it's okay. It, it's Vincent. Ca- you said it earlier. Fusca. And he's like a, an accountant. He's a middle-aged financial services manager from Pittsburgh. Right. Oh, yeah. Vincent Fusco. Yeah, there that's it, is. it. So then you can compare, even if they had plastic surgery, that in pictures of this guy, JFK was a tall glass of water. This dude's like 5'3". He looks like he was like a groupie for some rock band and did way too much cocaine in the 70s. Like, he looks like shit. Nothing, like, just no resemblance yeah, whatsoever. Totally. So, I like, you're saying, that. oh, well, he had surgery. Well, why would he have surgery to look shittier? Didn't you ever see King of the Hill? The grandfather had his, yeah, lost his, lost his shins in Korea. That's what yeah, happened. Exactly. That must have been what happened. He lost his shins in the plane crash. Now we're at not even a body double, just not like. <sighs> Now we're at the point where I don't even know what to say because there's humans that walk the face of this planet that genuinely believe in things that are debunked with half an hour of credible research. Right, exactly. That's not on 4chan or whatever. Right. I don't know if it's his own 4chan, 8chan, whatever it is now. Yeah, so that's the second theory is he's still alive and is going to put Trump back in office. If there's one that I have to believe in, it's this. And we talked about it earlier, the Kennedy curse. Yeah, so let's talk about the Kennedy curse a little bit. And if you want to break that down, I was just talking about mathematics. You kind of can. 
So the Kennedy curse, when you look it up, a brief synopsis of it is it refers to a series of premature deaths, accidents involving members of the Kennedy family. The curses primarily struck the children and descendants of the OG Kennedy, Joseph Kennedy Sr., JFK's grandfather, JF, J, Junior's grandfather, JFK's dad. Yep. Um, it affects family, friends, associates, other relatives, because throughout Kennedy history, multiple other people have been killed with the Kennedys. Yep, like that's if you're right. with them, you're going to die. If you're with them, you're going to die. Yep. Um, I agree with that. And then the whole curse, like 80% of the deaths are assassinations or plane crashes. That's right. Which you mentioned earlier. So I found a list of all the deaths. And if you just breeze through it, you could pick out 90% of the Kennedy family and how they died. And and, and I will say... And it's just insane. Let's that, compare this to... But let's take a step and compare this to a normal family. Exactly. Yeah, I was about to D- say that. Dude. How many families do you know where a majority of them died in plane crashes, got shot, shot themselves, or overdosed? Right. Uh, and um, that's all of them. So except many. This, basically, Multiples except the decade. skiing accident, that is literally all the deaths. Right. That is... I or mean, they just disappear. And then there was one, the one child that was uh, John, JFK Jr.'s little little brother, and he dies like three days after he's born. Honestly, there are so many deaths in the Kennedy family. And the interesting part is, even after John F. Kennedy Jr. dies, they continue to die. Yeah. There well, continues that's the, to be that's that. That's the theory why it's a curse. Right. And all of them, like I said, like no one really knows. The next death after Jr. was Patrick Kennedy... He was drunk driving. Okay, that's not that that absurd. Okay, but I will say, I mean, even though it's not that absurd, it's still so fucking often. Five years after JFK Jr. died. Right. Then six years after that, Ethel Kennedy's nephew killed his neighbor and then killed himself. That's like some poltergeist shit. I yeah, it is. That. I'm yep. just going through this. And then there's other incidents. And the, one of yeah, the other the incidents dies, was- Then he dies. 2011, another one dies in a plane crash. 2012, one of them kills themselves. 2019, one of them overdoses. 2020, one of them and their son disappear. See? And then their bodies are found by divers. It just goes on and on. And if you, and I saw the list of stuff that didn't kill the Kennedys. And one of the things was his uncle survives a plane crash. Yeah. I did survives a plane yeah. crash. So then not only are there like the Kennedy curse where they die. There's like a lot of crazy shit yeah. that happens to them where they actually don't die. Just traumatic. Just a lot of trauma. A lot of traumatic shit happens. For such a great family who's essentially cursed. Right. So that if I had to choose one, that's it. Because it's like, it's I, I didn't have the time to research this and actually link like I didn't want to go full like map on the wall, right? Map the on the wall and, and doing the mark, doing a I'm sure, and shit. But it's just insane that this and of fam- course it, they're cursed. Like they're like you said, what normal family or even not even not even normal family? What family? Like it'd be like if all the Kardashians just like mysteriously died throughout history, started dying like every three yeah, years. We lost another one. Just this family. Can we lose Kanye first? Mate, I, I don't know. Is is he even a Kardashian anymore? I don't. You might know. I that. don't know. I no, don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. He could go anyway, though. Something that's interesting is not only that, but the family is just deeply disturbed as well. Because yeah. if you see like. One of them is a rapist, and then there's like a bunch of one like, of them's a murderer, as we just right, found out when I was reading murderers, <laughs> rapists. They're involved in trouble with the law constantly. Like there's a lot of shit Overdosing, in that family. Intoxication. I believe. I don't it. know. I have no idea. I-, I believe that would happen though to the Kennedys. Aristotle dead. Yeah, married to Kennedy. He's only married to Jackie Onassis, or he's only m- married to Jackie Kennedy for like five years, and then he dies. And as far as we know, he's in perfect health prior to that. Yeah. It, there's just so much it, that's, that's the there. Most intriguing. I agree. The most intriguing part theory of this of the whole story thing. that also links it to any sort of conspiracy, which is these people are, for whatever reason, very unfortunate. Now let's go back and revisit what I came up with during. So during my research, I was like looking at all this stuff and looking and looking and looking and just writing the story. And it occurred to me that nobody ever talks about suicide. I'm, I, I would never rule out suicide. 
because we talked about all the things that happened to him. He lost, I mean, so much trauma, right? He lost his dad at a young age, all of this stuff. His marriage is dissolving. He's losing $10 million that year. His friend dies. His his uh, cousin or his his cousin dies. Then his other cousin has cancer. Who's his best man at his wedding and his best friend? He's gonna die. I mean, his he family's dropping his left and right the entire time. Right. He's under the eye of not only America but I assume the entire world. Because yeah, in the eighties it was international type news. And honestly, the Kennedys were kind of the American royal family. For yeah, a while. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So he's under the gun constantly. He's always under pressure. He's always being seen. He specifically says to the instructor, no, I'm not going to take an instructor. Yeah. Just all of these things kind of line up to believe, to, to have me believe. And like we said, there was a murderer in the family. There was a rapist in the family. They're constantly in trouble with the law. I'm just going to say it's not outside of the realm of possibility that he just said, I'm going to take care of this. Yeah. And he crashes his airplane himself. And he's not getting along with his two passengers. Absolutely. And we've seen it. And, and you know, if you've listened... if One you've... phone call is not going to fix deep-rooted issues inside that plane when it went down. 100%. And if you listen to previous aluminum tubes, you know, in another episode, a guy just decides, because he gets pissed off as his boss, and he decides to crash an airplane full of people. Yeah. And so, like, ones this to. happens again and again. This isn't like... This isn't like or an sometimes unforeseen people just circumstance. Decide, that's like the conspiracy theory behind the Malaysia flight. Right. Is one right. or both of the pilots were like, you know fuck what? Fuck it. Fuck it. Just because he's a famous dude, we can't rule out depression. Yeah. Because he hadn't flown his I mean, airplane in a long time. We can't. We can't. You should rule in depression based off of what he was going through. Absolutely. And his life. The, the, the course of his life, the whole trajectory of his life, honestly, kind of points me. To rule, like you said, to rule in suicide. And like I said, as the aluminum tube conspiracy theorist, I chose the curse. But I mean, that's very likely that he was just like, I'm done. It, it, it is. Or, or, I mean, we could just go with he lost control of the airplane. But to your point, I agree. It's not like a, a person living in Pittsburgh now that's going to come Working back up. Working with Trump of all people. Why would that be a thing? It makes absolutely That's the so, thing about anyway. QAnon. Tie it. Tie it together and maybe I'll give you attention. Relate it. To something. Yeah. Anything. But it doesn't. You, you can't because it's just so nonsensical. Right. So anyway. All right. Let's wrap it up. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So anyway, um, you got anything good coming out? I know you said you had. I mean, uh, just, you have a drop on Wednesday. Yeah. A couple of fine spot every week at five o'clock on wherever you listen to podcasts. I mean, that's about it. If okay. you watch network TV, I work on some shows, so watch them. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, you didn't say what you did for a living, and I know you work in uh, film and television as well. Yeah. So, cool. I don't um, watch the shows I work on, so don't worry about it if you don't watch them. <laughs> I typically take the summer off, and that's true. I took this summer off, Yeah. and I'm going to be dropping more episodes uh, coming up. I'm writing now, so cool. we have... Uh, oh, yeah, and hopefully you hop on ours eventually yeah that's right i'd love to make an They're appearance coming up. we've got stuff about the concord and the russian concord coming up and some other cool uh stories sweet so yeah so anyway thanks for being on james i appreciate yeah, thanks it thanks for having me i really appreciate it